in life in the good times and the bad times. Lord, I pray that you would take all the words that I speak and you would draw near to your people now, Lord. You would bless us uh, as we meditate on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Lovely to see you this morning. I uh, really enjoy this time of year. I think it's uh, a glorious uh, time of year, the changing uh, of the seasons and this uh, harvest season uh, in particular. There's so much of God's abundance uh, in display. There's so much of God's goodness uh, in display at the moment. There's so much of the beauty of creation on display uh, at the moment. And I also love uh, the harvest hymns that we sing at this time of the year. I always think it's a bit of a shame that we only get uh, to sing that wonderful opening hymn, Come Ye Thankful People, Come, once a year on this Harvest Sunday. Because while it is, of course, a seasonal hymn, and it is, yes, all about the gathering in of the crops before the storms of winter hit, what the hymn actually reminds us is that all the world is God's own field. And that includes you, and it includes me. And the final verse of the hymn puts it so well when it paints this beautiful picture of that day of the eternal harvest, when Jesus Christ will return to earth with all his angels to gather us to abide in his presence forever, free from sorrow, free from sin. There is, however, one really important difference between the great eternal harvest of that final day that will see you and I gathered in and the harvest of the fields. Because the harvest in the fields is brought in before the storms of winter begin. Whereas you and I will be subjected to many storms before the day of God's great harvest. Jesus himself warns us that we will face difficult times in this life, everything from trials and temptations to family feuds, persecution, illness, earthquakes, and yes, even plagues. If the last 18 or 19 months have taught us anything, it is surely about the importance of being deeply rooted in this life so that when those storms come, we can withstand them. And yet I suspect that many of us here today, myself included, look back at the pandemic and we recognize that there were times when we were knocked about by events, when our responses were not the right ones. There is nothing wrong with that, but it is important that we learn as we go through life. And God in his great mercy gives us opportunities to learn, to grow, to become more deeply rooted so that we aren't blown off course from that destiny that he wants us to be on, that destiny to be with him forever in that place where there will be no more sickness and no more pain and no more tears and no more death. As it says in Revelation chapter 14, there will come a day when the Lord says, the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So how then can you and I be confident 
that in the day of the great harvest that you and I will be ready or be ripe. The first thing I think we need to ensure is that we have strong roots. Because if we do not have strong roots in this life, we risk being blown about like leaves in the wind and potentially blown off that course to life everlasting. And so the church, all of us, have a responsibility to ensure that we are equipped to endure life's storms. And that is precisely what this new series that we begin this morning called Immerse is all about. It involves spending 20 to 25 minutes per day reading or listening to recordings of the Bible passage, trusting that the living, breathing Word of God will renew our confidence, our trust, our hope, and our peace, whatever events pass our way in this life. I hope you've been encouraged if you started reading last week. One of the benefits that I found from this program and reading Luke's gospel as we are today in a fairly short time frame was that I began to notice connections between various parts of the gospel that I would never have spotted before. And one thing that really stood out to me was this. Luke's gospel opens with an angel of the Lord appearing to three groups of people, Zechariah, Mary, and the shepherds. And each time their world, their world must have been thrown into chaos and confusion at the fear of the sight of this angel who went on to announce to them life-changing news. And yet each time the angel of God delivers the same message to all three of them, do not be afraid. And by the end of Luke's gospel, we have two of Jesus' followers walking the road to Emmaus, having doubts that Jesus is indeed alive, until the risen Christ appears with them, and they have the assurance that the resurrection is indeed true, and that all that Jesus had promised has indeed come to pass. They go back to tell the others, and suddenly Jesus appears in the room with them, and again they're terrified, thinking that they're seeing a ghost, until Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And so it struck me that the gospel message as, as recorded by Luke begins with fear, but ends with the disciples worshiping and praising God full of indescribable joy. And that reminds us that the gospel message of transformation through Jesus Christ means that we also have the opportunity to turn fear into joy, and all because of the birth, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. Because it's precisely his birth, death, resurrection, and ascension that mean that fear does not get the last word, that disease does not get the last word, that violence and persecution do not get the last word, that sickness and death do not get the last word. For all who put their trust in Christ, joy will get the last word. And that is why at the very heart 
of Luke's gospel, we hear Jesus telling the disciples as part of the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry. In the passage that Bob read for us this morning, Jesus reminds us that God has been and will continue to be extremely generous towards us, and we acknowledge that generosity today with thankful hearts in this Harvest Thanksgiving service. But Jesus actually does much more than that. He actually goes on to tell us that God's incredible generosity towards us means that we should live our earthly lives in a certain way. In this picture of beautiful simplicity and beautiful humility, Jesus tells us to look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow or reap, and yet God doesn't let them starve. And if God feeds even the most insignificant bird, then he will surely provide for his dearly loved children. And in the same way, Jesus tells us that the flowers don't fuss and worry over things about what they wear. God clothes the wild flowers, which are here one day and gone the next, with the finest and the most beautiful colors that we see at this time of the year. Well, if God does something like that for flowers that grow in the wild, then how much more does he care for us? So do not worry, except every single one of us does. It's easier said than done. As confident as we might appear on the outside, every single one of us is a victim of worry at one time or another in our lives. We worry about things in the past even though we have no control over them anymore. We worry about things in the future, most of which will never become a reality. And then we have those occasional moments when we don't have anything to worry about, but then we worry because we aren't worrying. Worry is utterly destructive. It can lead to headaches, heart trouble, backaches, ulcers, depression, digestive disorders, and yes, even death. And when we add to that list the mental fatigue of nights without sleep and days without peace, then we get a glimpse of the havoc that worry plays in destroying the quality and quantity of our lives. Worry has no nutritional value for the body or for the soul. But worry is also bad for us because it distracts us from the very God who is the source of life, the very God who cares for the birds and the plants and even more so for us. The parable of the sower in Luke chapter 4, which we didn't read today, tells us about the farmer who scatters seed. Some of the seed falls on rocky places where it doesn't have much soil. It ends up withered because it has no root. Jesus tells the parable and the disciples don't really understand what he means, so he spells it out to them. The seed that falls on rocky places and doesn't take root ends up withering, and that represents people who sadly fall away when the time of storms comes in life. And Jesus says some of the seed fall among thorns, the thorns which grow up and choke the plants. And his explanation of this part of the parable is really important for what we're thinking about today because he says the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, 
and the desires for other things come in and choke the Word of God, making it unfruitful. You see, worry chokes our relationship with God, and that's because it has a distracting effect. We see it in the story of Mary and Martha. Mary sits at Jesus' feet listening to His teaching, being fed by His Word, but Martha frets about all the tasks that have to be done, complaining to Jesus about how unfair all of this is. And Jesus says to her, my dear Martha, you're upset and you're worried about all these details. Well, there's only one thing you should be concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. How many times do we, like Martha, fret about details that are not important? Losing focus, losing hope, getting ourselves all worked up as a result. What happens when we do that is that we take our eyes off God and we focus instead on ourselves, on our problems, on our inability to handle things. And what happens as a result of that? Anxiety takes over. We get to the point where we can't think straight anymore. We go over and over things in our mind. We get stressed. We can't see any way out from this weight that we are carrying. When we worry about how we are going to handle a situation, what we do is that we block out any thoughts about what God might be able to do for us. And so we get blinded into thinking that money might be the solution. And then all the if-onlys kick in. If only I could just go on a holiday. If only I could move house so that my kids could get into that really good school. If only I could afford to give up work. If only I could just pay someone to do my worrying for me. It's a vicious circle, if ever there was one. There is no lasting happiness in earthly treasures. Jesus says. So then we turn to other people. Good friendships are really valuable in life, really valuable. Having people you can turn to in life to share your problems with is really important. To be able to share, to love, to show concern for people is a real privilege. But here is the truth, and it's not always an easy truth to hear. People cannot take away worry. I can't take your worry away, and you can't take my worry away. Uh, don't get me wrong, there's lots we can do to help each other uh, in times of worry. Standing with people in times of stress and difficulty is really important. Jesus even said to his disciples, you have stayed with me in my time of trial, and I will grant you the right to eat and drink at my kingdom. Staying with people in difficult times is important. Offering a listening ear is important. Giving advice from life experience is great. Offering encouragement is so valuable. Maybe even offering practical help to people. These are really important things. But there is no human being on this planet who can eliminate your worry. Why? Because worry is the suffocation of the soul. Human beings can do lots of things. Medicine and science can do wonders for the human body, and we thank God for them. 
but there is only one person who can minister to the soul. When Jesus says, do not worry, he isn't then telling us off. He isn't condemning us. He isn't declaring worriers to be sinful somehow. None of that. Listen to what he says to his disciples and by extension to us. Don't be afraid, little flock. Those aren't the words of someone telling us off. It's tender. It's compassionate love. It's the mercy of God that's speaking here. Jesus is saying, I don't want to see you crippled with worry. That's not why your heavenly father created you. You are a child of the eternal God and do not allow anything to distract you from that. Do not let worry take control because it will only blind you to God's love and God's presence with you in the difficult times. Instead, Jesus says, keep focused. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God before all else, and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. But he knows what you need more than we know sometimes ourselves what we need. And what God knows that we need might not be the thing that we think we need. He will give us exactly what we need, but it might not be the thing that we think is the source of our worry. In fact, sometimes what we need more than anything else is a reminder of his presence with us in difficult times. And that can be the most powerful sustenance of all. That's why Jesus experienced, that's what he experienced at the most difficult moment of his life. That night, as he contemplated the betrayal, the sham trial, the insults, the crown of thorns, the nails that were going to be put into his hands and his feet, the spear that was going to be put into his side, and worst of all, the burden of taking on the sin of the world, which would mean the father turning his face away from his beloved son. Jesus did not lose focus. Instead, he sought the kingdom of God. Going to the garden of Gethsemane, he kneeled down and he prayed. He prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And at that moment, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. He was in such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Jesus was under pressure. It was pressure unlike anything any of us will experience in our lives. He was in agony, mental, physical, emotional agony. But agony is different to worry. And there's not the slightest hint of worry in Jesus on that night before his death because he trusted in God. 
he kept focused on the presence of the Father through his torment, praying more and more fervently. And Jesus was provided with exactly what he needed. And what he needed was the loving, sustaining presence of the Father in the form of this angel that appeared from heaven and strengthened him in his hour of need. When we turn to God in prayer, in trust, in deep-rooted faith, there's an element of surrender involved in that. There's trust involved that He will give us what we need, not what we think we might need. It might just be peace that He gives us. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. And sometimes that's the most powerful gift of all. The word worry literally comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word meaning to strangle or to choke. Worry strangles or chokes the joy from our souls. It's like a bush of thorns choking our souls, and we've all experienced it. But today, this Harvest Sunday reminds us that God provides for our needs. And so I want to ask, are there any thorns that are choking your soul today? Maybe they've been there for a long time. Are you burdened by the sheer effort of trying to deal with those thorns in your own strength? Are they so painful that actually for years you've been frightened to go near them? But you know they're there and you know they're not going away. That is not how God wants you to live. So this morning, I want you to hear God's promise to you. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and uh, Lord, we acknowledge that there are times in our lives when, when those thorns of worry, we allow them to choke our soul because we take our eyes off you. And Father, we receive your message, your word to us this morning with, with loving hearts, knowing, Lord, that you tell us not to worry because you're not condemning us you're not telling us off, but Lord, it's because you love us so much and you've created us to be people, Lord, who, yes, will go through trouble in life because we live in a broken world, but Lord, you promise never to leave us or forsake us. And Father, we thank you for that promise that when we cast our worries onto you, that you will sustain us. So, Father, we just take a moment uh, in the silence to, 
to grapple with those thorns that, that are there in our soul, Lord, and to say we can't deal with them in our own strength anymore. Lord, we invite you in to deal with the worry in our lives. Father, we thank you for your gift of peace. Thank you for the gift of Jesus who's broken down all barriers and allows us, Lord, to bring our prayers to you, to bring our brokenness to you, to bring our worries to you. Father, fill us with your peace. Draw near to us this day and help us to live full and joyous lives. In Jesus' name, amen.